On this week's show, the CFL avoids a player strike and a former Alliance of American Football general manager joins an XFL team. In this week's history lesson, we tell the story of the first major college football bowl game that was ever played indoors. That and much more this week in the world of football. Hello? You play to win the game. Personal foul. this up. On number 99 of the defense, after he tackled the quarterback, he's giving them business down there at the 15-yard penalty. Hey, look out there. You want to get hyped, we're going to throw a forward pass. Signal. 1872 forward pass, Here we go. You're listening to This Week in the world of football, presented by theworldoffootball.com. Promoting the game of football in all its many forms, past, present, and future. And now, on with the show. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 93 for May 21st, 2019. I'm your host, Randy Snow, and across the table from me, as always, is my son, Adam. Yes, put on the war paint like number 93 defensive tackle, John Randall of the Minnesota mm-hmm. Vikings. Oh, yep. that guy was something else when he was on, on the field. Yep, Hall of Famer. Yep, and then we also are going to be honoring another player who wore number 93, uh, former Detroit Lions nose tackle, Jerry Ball. Yeah. He's got to throw our Lions in there, apparently. Sure, yeah. All right, we come to you each week from the world of football man cave located in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. We're here to help you make sense out of all the football being played out there all year long. From the NFL to the CFL, college, indoor, and arena football, our goal is to uh, inform our listeners with the glorious buffet that is the world of football. All this while keeping a close eye on the rich history of the game. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on one of our many platforms iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, or iHeartRadio. You can also connect with us on our Facebook and Twitter pages at TWOF Kalamazoo or send us an email. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. So let's review what happened this past week, starting with the World of Football scoreboard. That's right. We're going to kick things off with the Arena Football League's fourth week. Uh, Things are going great in the Arena League. I'm loving catching me some Arena Football now. Yeah, I saw a little bit uh, online yeah. the other night, but uh, didn't didn't see very much. My yeah. internet was acting up a bit. Uh, well, you need to get off the internet and uh, <laughs> uh, adopt a cell phone where you can watch it on cellular network. But anyway, what is the cell phone you talk about? I can't believe you don't have a cell phone, a real cell phone. <laughs> but there were three games on Saturday. All the entire league was in action, and the first game was at three in the afternoon. Saw the Washington Valor defeat the Philadelphia Soul. 53-46. to 46. In the second game, the Albany Empire went to Columbus for Columbus's home opener mm-hmm. and came out with a victory 56-40. to 40. Again, this is the first home game for Columbus this season, and the attendance got up to 7,035 people. We've been talking the last few weeks about 
hopefully they have a good attendance. Yeah, I was, I'm disappointed with that. They're well, you okay? You said that the capacity should be seventeen thousand, right around seventy thousand, seventeen thousand for for an indoor arena football for an game. For indoor arena. So my thing for that is though, I would have said my goal would would have been eleven to ten thousand. Sure. For a home opener, which a few thousand shy. I don't mm. think that's terrible. But sure, they're the only winless team. You know, they were zero and three going into that game. Now they're zero and four, but still, I think uh, the fans should have come I'm out. I'm just for saying, that game. name the last arena team that had a attendance over 12,000 people. I think well, Albany think. had, well, Albany had 11,000 exactly, something. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Year. I'm saying right now that's about the average mm. uh, for the stadiums. I know like Grand Rapids had the smallest arena bowl right. attendance. 10,500, yeah, I think. 10,000, yeah. So I'd say this is a little par for the course. You know, uh, I wasn't going to expect them to break it. I mean, 17,000 asking for a lot. Well, uh, yes, yes. Uh, a sellout would have been uh, uh Kind of unthinkable, but only seven thousand. Sure, to have less than fifty percent of the capacity, but yeah. I'm sure you close down the upper upper bowl, and you know, that would leave you with what maybe I don't know maybe that ten to eleven thousand. I don't know how uh, that's set up there, maybe. but I, I was just disappointed to see only seven thousand people there. It, it, yeah, the the numbers don't look good, and I and the picture I saw was a little was a little sparse, but I mean, as long as the, they have fun going to the games, but unfortunately, sure. <laughs> they're dealing with an zero four team right now. Yes. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, the we got to talk about the victors too. The Albany quarterback Tommy Grady surpassed the 800 career touchdown passing mark mm-hmm. and becomes the sixth player in arena football history to do so. Mm-hmm. Congratulations to him! Yeah, congratulations. All right, and then in the final game on Saturday is the Atlantic City Blackjacks over the Baltimore Brigade, 48 to 41. The streak continues for Brigade wide receiver Joe Hills despite the loss. That makes it now 96 straight games with a touchdown catch for the wide receiver. Wow. And brigade quarterback Shane Boyd surpassed the 5,000 career passing mark. So congratulations to him as well. But congratulations to the expansion team for coming in and defeating the Baltimore Brigade. Really? Yeah, that's that's awesome for them. And this Joe Hill streak, I mean, is he ever going to be stopped? An injury might be the only thing that, An injury that might, might stop be the him. only thing that stops him, but I, I think, you know, this is their big story, and and especially when they lose, and you're still talking about this. Right, person. yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's a heck of a player, and uh, I'd like to see the achievement keep going. Sure. So with that, we're going to jump over to the standings, and in the Arena League, obviously only six teams, but at the top, you have the Albany Empire at 4-0. They remain undefeated. And the Philadelphia Soul, Baltimore Brigade, Atlanta City Blackjacks, and the Washington Valor all sit at 2-2. Two and two. And then at the bottom, the Columbus Destroyers at O and four. Yeah, come on, Columbus, get off the uh, get off the winless streak here. Let's get a win here next right, week. Right, you're still in. I mean, you're only a couple games back from literally yep. every other team yeah. in the league except the Empire. Two two games out of second place. And they <laughs> gave a the best showing of their season so far against the uh, Empire, only losing by sixteen points. So, mm-hmm. um, hopefully, you know when they start playing these teams a second time, you know they can maybe sneak in a. You know, get a couple yeah. of victories, and as we saw last year, all you got to do is get into the playoffs, and yep. anything can happen. Yep, and we, and they all will again this year. So, well, no, two of them will be left out. Oh, that's right. That's yep. right. Okay. Come on, we talk about this every week. Yes, I forgot. All right. Well, I hope <laughs> okay. you didn't forget that it's week thirteen in the indoor football league. No, I've got that right here in front of me. Uh, there was one game on Friday night. It was the Quad City Steamwheelers over the Cedar Rapids River Kings, forty-eight to twenty-nine. Uh, there were two games on Saturday. The Tucson Sugar Skulls defeated the Bismarck Bucks 52-40. to And in the nightcap, or uh, another game on Saturday actually, Sioux Falls Storm over the Nebraska Danger 
57 to 56. I had to look this game up to see how that game ended. Uh, the Storm scored a touchdown with 41 seconds left in the game uh, to take a one-point lead. They went for a two-point conversion, didn't get it, but it but they were able to hang on for the win after that. So uh, you know, I didn't know if it was a, like a missed extra point at the end or or something like that, but. Uh, yeah, 57-56, very close there. Sioux Falls over Nebraska. And there were two games on Sunday. The Arizona Rattlers continue their winning ways, beating the San Diego Strike Force 84-63. Wow. And in the other Sunday game, Iowa Barnstormers over Green Bay 54-49. to So let's turn to the IFL standings. You've still got the Arizona Rattlers undefeated at 10-0. and Iowa Barnstormers right behind them at 10-1. and Sioux Falls Storm 9-2. and Green Bay Blizzard six and five, along with the Tucson Sugar Skulls at six and five. Nebraska Danger at five and six. Quad City Steamwheelers four and seven. Bismarck Bucks two and eight. And in the bottom, it's San Diego Strike Force and the Cedar Rapids River Kings, both with a one and ten record. All right, and with that, we are going to move on to the National Arena League. It is week six there, and on Friday night, we saw the Carolina Cobras defeat the Columbus Lions. 60 to 32 and on Saturday it was the Jacksonville Sharks that came out with a very impressive victory <laughs> defeating the Orlando Predators 61 to 7 boy uh, Orlando really has not produced much the last few weeks all their scores have been really well last lopsided. Week they, last week they had a very close game they only, they only lost by a point but every other game yeah, it's yeah been they, very they, they've had several watch. games where they were just uh, totally outmanned in yep. these games so I hate to see that but that's that's the way it's been going the last yep, couple and weeks then for the them. New York Streets and the Massachusetts Pirates were on by this week. So as we jump over to the standings, it is the Carolina Cobras and Jacksonville Sharks sitting atop of the league with four and one records, followed by the New York Streets with a three and one record, the Columbus Lions with a two and three record, followed by the Massachusetts Pirates with a one and four record, and at the bottom of the sixteen league, it is the Orlando Predators with a one and five record all right moving on to week nine in champions indoor football all right we got it right yeah i got that Good right <laughs> so i had to stop because i thought i was wrong again uh two games on saturday the omaha beef defeated the wichita force 70 to 33 showing that they're still one of the best teams in the league and the sioux city bandits over the amarillo venom in a close high scoring game 79 to 71 wow uh, the Oklahoma Flying Aces, Selena Liberty, Duke City, and Duke City Gladiators all had a bye this week. But in an ironic twist of fate, uh, Oklahoma was supposed to have a game against the Texas Revolution, and we all know the, the Revolution folded. And uh, they were awarded, uh, Oklahoma was awarded a 2 to nothing forfeit win over Texas. So Oklahoma gets their first win of the season uh, by, by forfeit, forfeit, by not playing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just put an asterisk so, next to so that bizarre, one. So bizarre. So looking at the standings in the nor North Division of the CIF, it's the Omaha Beef at 6-1, and one, Selena Liberty at 4-3, and three, also the Sioux City Bandits at 4-3, and, and the Wichita Force 2-7. and seven. In the South Division with only three teams now, Amarillo Venom at 5-3, and three, Duke City Gladiators at 4-3, and three, and the Oklahoma Flying Aces get their first win and are now at one and six. Yeah, put an asterisk next to that one. <laughs> yeah, I'd hate to see that as the only win they get all season long. Boy, that'd be tough. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for the World of Football scoreboard this week. So now we're going to move on to some news, starting in the NFL. Now, the NBA draft was uh, last week, yep. and uh, 
Um, Surprised a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, uh, the best odds, I believe, were between the Knicks, the Suns, and uh, the Cavaliers. I think those are the top three teams. And it ended up being the team of the 10th best odds that got the number one pick in the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, that's I don't I don't care for the lottery system. But there were several yeah. articles that I read where people were suggesting should the NFL adopt a lottery style draft. And guess what? The world of football is in agreement. The stance is no. Yes, uh, that is uh, that lottery system is awful. Just it, awful. I partially believe it is partially rigged. I believe so too. Yes, but at the same time, why would you want a lottery to to better your league when? You look at how the NFL is set up as opposed to the NBA. Okay, so you got your crappy team in the, well, who was it last year that was really bad? So say your Knicks. I forget their record, but they were one of the top three worst teams. Them, the Suns, and the Cavs were all terrible. So how are you supposed to get these terrible teams to get better, to you know make you, them more appealing and more competitive? Yeah, by, well, give gee, them by a- giving them the early picks. So, yeah, sure, they have a percentage chance of getting that number one pick. But it didn't happen. But it didn't happen. This is the rare occurrence where – a team with, you know, the tenth best odds, right, ended up getting the number one pick. And guess yeah. what? They're probably going to get one of the better players to come out of the sure. draft in a while. Sure. So imagine if that happened in the NFL. That would have been like, who was our tenth pick? The tenth pick in the draft for the uh, the NFL this year was the uh, Buffalo. No, Lions were eight. Bills. Then it was the Broncos. I don't recall. I don't I have it. it in Bron- front so of let's me. just say it was the Denver Broncos. So you're telling me the Denver Broncos, who are so-so, you know, they're number ten, so they're not. As right. bad as the Cardinals. Right, they're not the worst. They're not the worst. So you're telling me the Cardinals all of a sudden get the number one pick and the Arizona Cardinals would end up picking several picks later, you know, to get a yeah. transformative player to help their team? Yeah. No, I, it just it makes no sense at it's, all. It's weird. I mean, <laughs> what, if that's how that league wants to operate and it's worked fine for them for years, I mean, look at the, you know, LeBron James got taken. You know, you get a transformative player like that, and if they want to leave it up to chance, then whatever. But I believe to, to make your league better, and that's why I feel like the NBA has got so many bottom feeder teams and teams just kind of stuck in the middle because, like, you right. got your Detroit Pistons who are like, oh, we're the eighth seed in the playoffs, but we're still not great, but we're still kind of terrible. So, like, how are they supposed to get any better? Yeah, no, the NFL is doing it right. a true just like, hey, if you're the worst, you get the first pick and, yep. you know, so on. And with the NFL, I feel like you're more apt to see your bottom feeders kind of turn it around in a year we've seen that especially in recent years teams who are gone from worst to first look at the cleveland browns right number one pick last year that's exactly what i was gonna say you know they turned it around and you know i mean they had a weird season last year that's a whole soap opera in and of itself but i mean they went from 0 and 16 to 7 and 9 which Mm -hmm. for cleveland standards as of late i'd say that's fantastic you know they added one big uh draft pick with a heisman trophy winning quarterback and in he did okay last when year they had two as a rookie. Picks. They had him, and then they had the fourth pick. And now in a, in their second year, they brought in a bunch of free agents, Odell right. Beckham Jr. and, and several and other the players. the whole franchise, you wouldn't have guessed it was only two years ago they were 0-16. Yeah, yeah. They've completely transformed so, their mindset and their So attitude. the draft has really helped them. So, I, yeah, the, the NFL is doing it right. The NBA can can go jump yeah, off the Yeah, the NBA's process is weird. <laughs> All right. Another story that came out this week is that uh, ESPN is going to open a studio in Las Vegas. Now, supposedly, they said it was because they wanted to be closer to the sports betting capital of the world now that sports betting is becoming legal all over the country. 
but I disagree. Well, I was going to say, but not you, mister. I'm going to put on my tinfoil cap, and no. uh, we're going to talk about a conspiracy theory I think theory it's here. only because they got an NFL team coming to Las Vegas, so they just looked at this as an opportunity to like, hey, let's go to Las Vegas. Well, we got an NFL team. We can cover that. I mean, there's been sports betting going on in Las Vegas forever, and now, now all of a legal. sudden they want now all of a sudden they want to go to Las Vegas to be closer to the betting bull. Uh, uh, it's all because of the Raiders. I will fight that's, you on this one. So they've that's um, my opinion. So ESPN stuck studios out in Los Angeles when there was no LA team, mm-hmm. uh, as did so several other networks for the NFL. They have stations all out in Los Los Angeles before there was. Before and after there were LA teams. Well, now they got two teams. Now they got two teams, but Maybe I'm saying they they're not just all of a sudden picking up and moving to LA because of, of football teams there now. Well, this was their excuse to move to Las Vegas, well, I think. That wasn't their excuse to move to LA back in the day. LA is just <laughs> the capital of, you know, the entertainment industry, and then Las Vegas is just the capital of the gambling world. And now with gambling being legalized in many states. You know, like Fox Sports, I listened to a great uh, interview over the weekend between Cowherd and uh some big executive at Fox. They talked XFL. They talked. Uh, they're going to have a Fox Bet app, so you're going to be able to bet on the NFL games right there from your phone. Um, and even if you're not in a state that with legalized gambling, you're you can still kind of bet. It's quote unquote, but it's more of like a game where it's you can win p- prizes. And so they're trying to incentivize. Them. This is going to be the whole new big push. Is you know. They already got the advertising stuff. Now they're going to try to get in on that gambling money, mm. all these networks, too. Mm. So I think by ESPN going out there, guess what? You'll probably see an ESPN bet app. <laughs> so you'll be able to bet on the game through ESPN, through Fox. Yeah, they You're going to be able cut. to bet through the networks that are hosting these games. I'm going to guarantee you that right now. <laughs> they used to have Jimmy the Greek on CBS years ago, way before you were born. But he used to uh, talk about the you – know, he was on the NFL Today, and he would give the odds – the betting odds for each game that week, and he would tell you, you know, uh, Chicago is favored by six and a half points. Take take that bet and uh, and bet on the Bears or whatever. You know, and he'd give you all of his insights. And and after a while, they got rid of it. So it, uh, they'll probably bring him back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is he still alive? I was gonna say, if he's not dead, they'll bring him back. I think he's dust gone. off his coffin and yeah. pull him out. All right, another story that came out this week. Uh, Eagles defensive end Chris Long is retiring. This was a surprise. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, he played 11 seasons in the NFL. He played for the Eagles, the Patriots, and the St. Louis Rams. He won two Super Bowls. But I, I think I will most remember him for giving up his salary yeah, a year or so ago, ago yeah. uh, and donating it to charity. One of our first charity. big stories when we started covering uh, Yeah, I think so. I think so. Podcast. Yep, and, and I think he donated a bunch of money last year. Yeah, uh, he, he's a big, uh, you know, com- community and charity guy obviously yep. he grew up in the long family you know yep. son of howie long yep and they're just a a good family that likes do, going out and doing good things for other people so i mean good on him and you know wish him the best of luck in his retirement i hope to you know he could be one of those personalities we see not too long in the in the nfl booth yeah i don't know i never really heard anything about you know him wanting to get into something maybe, like maybe that not. but maybe his father did his so father did i mean who knows i mean maybe he'll still do charity work which yeah. is just fine as well so 11, the 11, 11 seasons is a good that uh, is good i guess time. i didn't realize he was in the league that long i yeah. was only gonna guess maybe like five or ten yeah. well somewhere close to the five range i didn't think he'd been in the league that long no 11 seasons but good for him yep and uh hopefully a good retirement i don't know if he'll be a hall of fame bound but i mean with two Super Bowls on your resume, I mean, yeah, he'll probably be a, in consideration. I don't know if he'll actually make it, but right. um, he will at least get talked about. Yep. 
All right, uh, this story kind of surprised me. For the first time in 42 years since 1977, the Bills are going to be issuing O.J. Simpson's number to a player. Uh, the number 32 is going to be worn this season by running back, uh, how do you pronounce that, Sensorize? Centerize? Centerize. Centerize Perry. Unless there's another weird way to pronounce that. No. But, uh, or Centerize, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's something to watch out for when they allow these players to wear the numbers of famous players like i don't know if i don't remember did we talk about how dwayne haskins is gonna wear uh joe theisman's number seven in mm. washington no yeah that was official like theisman gave his blessing for that i don't think the bills had to go get oj's number or blessing to get the number but well with the lions uh the tight end we picked in the first round he's T- gonna wear tj Hawkinson. he's yeah. gonna wear charlie sanders number number 88 charlie sanders in the hall of fame passed away a few years ago um he uh I guess the team approached his family first and said, you know, we're we're looking at giving this kid number 88. And the family said, we appreciate you coming to us and, and uh, allowing us, you know, letting us know ahead of time that you were going to do this. We respect that. And we're happy that you're doing it. Right. Uh, so that was kind of nice. But, yeah, it's wasn't there another player that wore 88? Yes. Uh, uh, we had short time? Um, Mike Williams. Drafted to the Lions, wore number eighty-eight for a while. Did he wear? I thought I'm thinking of somebody else. I can't remember, but there were, there were a couple other. Yeah, but Lions it's been very few times. To, they didn't actually retire his Isn't number. Yeah, the Lions don't really. I think only number twenty is retired. Mm. But everything else is kind of like you know Dutch Clark's number right. seven. They just don't give it out. They don't give it out. Right. So Clark's number seven and uh, Bobby Lane's twenty-two. Mm-hmm. You don't ever. Yeah, you just, yeah, I you can't just ever remember seeing a number twenty-two no. for the Lions ever. No. Um, so. So, it's, but it's just going to be weird because you know I'm of the age where I remember watching O.J. Simpson yeah. on TV. So it's, it's going to be weird to see a number 32 for the Bills, uh, knowing what happened with O.J. But right. I mean, on the field, he was. I th- I think they didn't give it out. Uh, I mean, they haven't given it out since '77. So this is way before you know the, his trial yeah. and all that. I mean, they were just doing it out of respect for him being the first player. To rush for two thousand yards in a, speaks in that a they, single speaks very highly that they think this guy is the next big thing for the mm, team. I don't, I don't know. That's the that's the scary part when you're a player and you're getting a number that's being unretired. Like I feel like T.J. Hawkinson, everybody's riding high on him in Detroit, right? And you know, even the national media loves him for maybe being rookie of the year mm. in the tight end position. And what better number to wear in Detroit for a tight end than number eighty-eight? Yeah, my Charles Sanders was so good, <laughs> so good. Okay, uh, another story. Uh, two more Emmys for the NFL Films. Uh, they won two more Emmys recently for uh, Best Camera Work and Outstanding Music Direction for their Hard Knocks series uh, training camp with the Cleveland Browns fantastic. last year. Just fantastic television. It was good. It was good. But uh, this, I wasn't sure how many Emmys they had actually um, they actually had. And I was thinking it was over 100, but I didn't. I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, I did some searches, couldn't find it. So I emailed um, Chris Willis, who's the uh, head of research at NFL Films. What's up, Chris? And and I asked him. I said, "So how many Emmys does this give you guys now?" And he says, "I think we're up to 128 now." Wow. 128 Emmys for you NFL share that Films. Picture we have of. Uh, I'm thinking I might repost that. Yeah, we, we went to the uh, NFL Films studios a few years, years ago. ago now. And uh, yeah, we got to see the the wall of Emmys where it's, it's just incredible, stunning. All the Emmys they've got. So yeah, I mean, I'll have to dig that picture up and, yeah, and maybe post that this that. week. But yeah, congratulations to NFL Films continuing the good work they've been doing for fifty years. Yep. Uh, just uh, incredible stuff that yep, they've been. We're still waiting on. Uh, should be any day now. We should be getting the announcement of what team will be on Hard Knocks. Yeah. So yeah, who do you think it's going to be? Uh, 
Not Detroit. I, I definitely think they're shying away from Detroit right now. Mm-hmm. I feel like New York and Washington are prime candidates mm-hmm. um, just because of the quarterback situations there. But well, I was thinking Raiders, but since they're going to be staying, the, the staying in the Raiders are so Oakland dysfunctional. I mean, why not the Raiders? <laughs> but I, I kind of feel like it'll be like a, a Washington or a New York. Hmm. I think I think Dwayne Haskins is going to have a lot of eyes on him hmm. with the Redskins. But who's hmm. to say? I mean, they could pull a you know fast one on us, and yeah. maybe it'll be San Francisco. I don't know. Yeah. We should hopefully know by next week. So. Yeah. Unless uh, something breaks by the end of the show. Come on, breaking news. Keep your phone close. Oh, it is. Close. Hi, I'm a millennial. Don't you know me? Yeah, yeah. It's never more than an arm's reach away from you. Okay, uh, moving on to some CFL news. Uh, the player strike that was rumored uh, up in Canada was avoided at the last minute. Uh, they've signed a new three-year collective bargaining agreement up there, and the training camps did open on time. So, phew, I'm glad about that. We better hope the NFL's uh, CBA agreement goes as quick as that when yeah. that rolls around in a couple of years. Yeah, I didn't read all the articles, but I know that there was some last-minute hitch. You know, at the last minute, uh, uh, one side or the other was was trying to uh, – it was probably the, the, the team side uh, – was trying to take back some of the stuff that they, you know, said they were going to do, and then they, they didn't want to, and – uh, so uh, some last-minute uh, uh, tensions between the, the players and the and the teams, but it, it got worked out and uh, uh, it was ratified by the players. So uh, tra- training camps are open, and this very Sunday is the first preseason game up in Canada, and we'll talk about that wow. later in our upcoming game. So, yeah, it all starts this weekend. CFL football is back, thank goodness. You probably didn't see this story. Uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, of the CFL are selling tickets uh, to some of their games that offer no seats in the stadium. Instead, fans can purchase a Jim Beam social pass, and they'll get to hang out in the popular North End Zone section of the stadium, which contains something called the Rum Hut. And uh, they won't need uh, to purchase uh, a regular ticket to the game. So this uh, this pass gives fans access to the stadium and one free drink for the price of thirty seven dollars a game. Dang! <laughs> so go to the game. You don't get a seat. You just get to hang out in the end zone by the by the rum hut uh, all game and cheer the fan or cheer the uh, cheer the team. Uh, watch the game on the jumbotron. Uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's kind of weird that uh, you. You're there. I guess it's like a standing room only ticket, uh, and, and I think well, even the Dallas Cowboys do that, uh, but I think that's only so they can push the attendance over a hundred thousand right. and just pack them into the aisles, like a bunch of sardines, and give them a, a seat to the game. And uh, oh, something else that goes along with their collective bargaining agreement: uh, uh, CFL teams will carry one global player uh, this year. Each team will carry one global player, and next season they're going to c- carry two global players. And these are the players that uh, they brought in. From Europe, there were right. some from Germany, they some have those from special European draft, right? Yeah, yeah. and in Mexico too. So uh, every every team will have at least one uh, global player on their roster uh, for this year, and like I said, two for next year. So uh, that's it for our CFL news. We do have some XFL news. Uh, we teased in the opening that uh, a, a former uh, AAF uh, official or team official was is jumping to the uh, NFL, and you kind of guessed it before I even told you. Yeah, I. Uh I was thinking about this last week, and I was almost going to sp- say something when we were talking about it, uh, where Houston, 
announce their coach because right. uh, right. that was June Jones. Right. And no GM. And you were saying that's weird that they didn't have a GM. And I almost wanted to say at the time, well, I wonder if that Daryl Johnson's going to jump from the AAF to the uh, XFL. And uh, why don't you tell them what happened? Yeah. Daryl Moose Johnston has been hired as the director of player personnel for the Dallas XFL team. And you'll remember he was the general manager of the AAF San Antonio Commanders. Uh, I uh, have a football season. card of him yeah, with the San Diego sure Commanders. Me too. San Antonio Commanders. And uh, in the other story, June Jones was officially introduced, and he is going to be the head coach and the, and general, the manager. general manager. Yeah, oh, they, didn't, okay. they never mentioned that until the official announcement gotcha, uh, yesterday, okay. I think. But, yes, he's going to be the head coach and GM of the Houston team down there in Texas. So, Good to know. Uh, so now the XF, XFL has got all eight of their coaches. We know their cities. Um, now we just need to hear some uh, team nicknames and see what their uniforms and helmets are going to look like. Some players on a draft. Yep. And yeah, they're already talking about uh, having some uh, player combines and yeah. uh, signing some people. So, you know, I'm sure a number of AAF players are going to wind up with the XFL teams. Uh, I wonder if some will also be very leery of the situation. True, true, yeah. But at the same time, if you want to play professional football and get your – you know, your, yep. yourself out there, you're going to have to just probably bite the bullet. Yeah, some of them may feel that they were kind of burned by the AAF, you know, lied yeah. to. and, and uh, Which they know. were. Yeah, and things didn't work out, so, you know, would they be willing to try it again? But I'm sure a lot of them will say, hey, I'll give another shot if it if it might mean latching on with an NFL team right. in a year or so. You know, you got to do it. Well, see what happens. Yeah. All right. Um, obituaries. We have uh, two obituaries this week. Uh, this is where we take a moment to honor those who have made the world of football a better place. And I'm going to start out, uh, the first one here is um, Carl Paganelli Sr. I just found out about this a little while ago uh, today. He uh, was a longtime football official in pro and college football, and he passed away yesterday, uh, the 20th of May, at the age of 82. Paganelli officiated games in the World Football League in the 1970s, United States Football League in the 1980s, and also in the Arena Football League, as well as various college games. He also spent time as the head of officials for the Mid-America Conference, of which Western Michigan uh, University here in Kalamazoo is a member. Uh, he also, let's see, oh, his, his three sons, Carl Jr., Dino, and Perry, also became football officials following in their father's footsteps. Perry and Carl Jr. officiated Super Bowl 41 together in 2007. Uh, Carl Sr. was inducted into the Grand Rapids Sports Hall of Fame in 2008, and his three sons were also inducted into the Grand Rapids Sports Hall of Fame in 2018. Carl Sr. also was inducted into the Arena Football League Hall of Fame in 2013. And it just it dawned on me while I was putting this obituary together that I actually met Carl Paganelli at a Grand Rapids Rampage Arena football game many years ago. Um, I think it was like halftime, and it was in the, I was in the press box, and you're just kind of mingling around while halftime's going on, and I, I just st struck up a conversation with him. I didn't know who he was. It was just some guy uh, you know, wearing a suit uh, there in the press box, and we just started up a conversation. He started telling me about how he used to uh, officiate uh, USFL games and, and WFL games, and, and you know he's from the Grand Rapids area, and I I think he had a lot to do with the uh, uh, officiating crews. Uh, I don't know if he was the head of officiating for the AFL, but he was a consultant for the league. And, uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, I actually got to meet him. So uh, very That's sad cool. very sad to hear about that. Yep. 
All right, and our second obituary, uh, which I actually went down, sadly, uh, after we got off air last week. I was at home yep. and found the story and sent it to you because we had just been talking during the draft about this individual. Yep. And uh, here is his obituary. Ezra Castro, also known as Buffalo Bills superfan Pancho Bila, passed away from cancer at the age of 39. Way too young. Way too young. Castro lived in Dallas, Texas, where he was a mortician, but he had been a Bills fan since the age of seven. He traveled to Bills home games and many away games dressed in a sombrero, luchador mask, serape poncho, a bandolier bandolier and a leather arm and leather arm guards all in team colors and to see a picture of this guy was awesome 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 costume yes uh castro announced the bill's third round pick during the 2018 draft when it was held in dallas in november 2018 he became the first bills fan to be inducted into the team's fan wall of fame he was also the president of the dallas fort worth bills backers club and this past season while he was, uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago. He was actually in the hospital, uh, you know, yes. fighting for his life. But uh, he was able to, uh, via cell phone, call in the actual draft pick to the uh, staff at the draft to walk up and tell the commissioner yep. who they were picking, yep. which is pretty cool. I mean, one thing to go up on the stage, but then it's also kind of cool that you got to tell them what the pick was right. before you know anybody else knew right. about it. So. And then uh, Corey Wire, a former Bills player, went up and announced the uh, the third round pick uh, this year. And he had uh, he had him on Facebook Live on his phone oh, okay, uh, cool. while he made the pick, and uh, you know that's that was that was just awesome. And and to think, you know, this guy really had no connection to Buffalo or the whole Western New York area, yet he was a, a Bills fan all of his life. His dad, when he was a little kid, dad let him pick his own team, and he just loved the red, white, and blue colors of the yeah. Bills, and that was his team. And you know, look look how that turned out for him. Just, yep. Uh, to, to be a super fan of a team from Texas. Right. It sh- shows you you can be a fan anywhere in the country yeah. for any team in the country, Yep. which is why football is an amazing sport. And, I mean, uh, our condolences to his family because, yes. I mean, we say we're super fans, but this guy took it to a whole other level. And oh, yeah. He will be missed. Yeah. There was a nice picture of, of him uh, standing there next to the uh, the team owner's wife. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, I mean, everybody in that organization loved him, knew him. Right. Um, just. I've seen uh, several pictures, and he just, great outfit. You know, you could mm-hmm. just tell that he just, you know, loved the team and loved the, the sport. So. Yeah, a lot of these super fans, they, they come off as a bit obnoxious, but I don't see that. that was, with, with no, him. I think his was completely he was, genuine. He was, yeah, he just, was very genuine, just loved the team, loved everything about it, never had a bad thing to say about any of the players or anything. Right. Uh, just uh, seemed like a wonderful guy. So uh, very, very sorry to hear of his passing at, at the young age of only right, 39. That's, a, that's the only other thing that gets me. He was only nine years older than me. <laughs> Boy. Yeah. All right. We do have some birthdays today. Including uh, the guy sitting right across from me. We didn't do that. We buried the lead, everybody. Guess what? It is Randy's birthday today as well. Yeah. Happy birthday, Father. Thank you, son. Thank uh, you. What, how old are you today? Uh, 39, just like Jack Benny. He was 39 for many, many years. He never never made it to 40 years really? old. Really? <laughs> That's weird. You were nine years old when you had me? That's new. Uh, football birthdays today. Yeah, who, who do you share a birthday with? Uh, I share the – well – before football, I mean, I always said I, I shared my birthday with Raymond Burr and Mr. T. <laughs> they were the only ones I was aware of. Cool. Now I know that running back Ricky Williams shares my birthday. He was born on this date in 1977. He's 42 years old today. Uh, he played for the New Orleans Saints. 
Uh, you you remember how Mike Ditka oh boy, traded, traded away so all of his much. draft picks to get him with the first round pick, and uh, he only played in New Orleans for three years. And I think when he left, uh, Ditka was done <laughs> there too. They got rid of both of them. But uh, he also played for the Miami Dolphins in uh, 2002 and 2003, and then he retired and uh, actually went up to Canada and played in Canada for a year uh, with the Argonauts. Then he came back to Miami for one year in 2005. He was suspended in 2006, I think, for substance abuse uh, well, that's violations. That's also he left the first time for Miami, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, was, he was about ready to get caught for, for violations, but uh, he decided to retire instead. And then uh, returned to Miami and played from 2006 through 2010, and he finished his career with the Ravens in 2011. So Ricky Williams' uh, birthday today. And also, the other one that I found, uh, Coach Era Parsegian was born on this day in 1923. He passed away in 2017 at the age of 94, but he would have been 96 years old today. He played halfback for the Cleveland Browns in 1948 and 1949 when they were in the – all-American football conference, not even in the NFL yet, uh, but he was, went on to be a very good head coach. He was the head coach in college for the uh, for Northwestern uh, in ni- from 1956 through 1963, and at Notre Dame, where he's uh, probably most well known for from 64 to 74. So, Eric Parsegian also uh, um, born on this date. All right, so that's it. Uh, we're going to move on to our history lesson now. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about the very first major college indoor bowl game. The location of the first major college football bowl game played indoors might surprise you. Most people would guess that it took place in the Astrodome in Houston, which was the site of the first indoor major league baseball game in 1965 between the Houston Astros and the New York Yankees. But the first indoor college bowl games were actually played in New Jersey at the Atlantic City Convention Center. College football was first played there in 1930 when Washington and Jefferson defeated Lafayette 7 to nothing in front of 13,000 fans. In 1961, the postseason Boardwalk Bowl was created. From 1961 to 1967, the game featured the Pennsylvania Military College against the Kings Point Merchant Marine Academy. The game was known as the Little Army-Navy game. But on December 19, 1964, the Liberty Bowl was also played there. It became the first major postseason bowl game played indoors. The game had originally been played in Philadelphia from 1959 to 1963, but bad weather led to dwindling attendance and forced the game to be moved. In the 1964 game, Utah defeated West Virginia 32-6 before a crowd of just 6,059 fans. It was actually a smaller crowd than they had the previous year in Philadelphia when they had a crowd of just over 8,300 fans in attendance. As with all the previous indoor football games played there at the convention center, a six-inch layer of sod was brought in to cover the concrete floor for the Liberty Bowl. The following year, in 1965, The Liberty Bowl game was moved to Memphis, Tennessee, where it remains today. Over the years, a number of other football games have also been played at the Atlantic City Convention Center. From 1970 to 1972, the Newt Rockne Bowl was also played indoors at the Convention Center. That game determined the Division III Eastern Championship. There was the Thanksgiving Bowl, in which Widner defeated Fordham 49-20 in 1973, 
1974, the New Jersey High School Football Championships were played there. In 2004, the Atlantic City Card Sharks of the National Indoor Football League played there. And in 2015, the Philadelphia Soul hosted the Las Vegas Outlaws in an arena football game there. Today, the convention center is known as Boardwalk Hall, and it is home to the expansion Atlantic City Blackjacks of the Arena Football League. Boardwalk Hall has hosted a number of other sporting events there, including minor league hockey, NBA basketball, and indoor soccer. The Miss America pageant and the 1964 Democratic National Convention were also held there. So the next time you're watching the annual Liberty Bowl on TV, remember that it was once played indoors in New Jersey. Yeah, very fascinating. I, I guess I didn't realize, you know, listening to it, that it's the same place where the Blackjacks of yep. the Arena Football League play. Yep. So that's a very cool fact right there. Yep. And you showed, you had a picture ready uh, that you showed oh, yeah. me. Yeah, beautiful, looks, beautiful looks facility. Beautiful facility, yeah. We're, you were even talking about it uh, before talking about this Liberty Bowl thing that mm -hmm. you wanted to check out. Now I guess it's even more incentive to go check out this yeah. place. And, of course, you know, back in the days before they had artificial turf, they actually brought in sod to uh, to put a field down on the concrete floor there. So I just can't believe they fit in a 100-yard a stadium, a 100-yard field in the stadium. Well, I, I think those, those seats move because uh, here's, a, here's a picture of a okay. actual, yeah, that's the same picture. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it looked really, uh, uh, really big, but, I mean, this place has got a high ceiling. And, yeah. And, uh, really cool. I'd love Very to unique. See it. Yeah. Okay, so where are we at on, now? We're going to move on to the upcoming events this uh, upcoming month. Ah, here we go. So here we go, May Lost 20th my to the 22nd. We're going to have the NFL Spring Meeting in Key Biscayne, Key Biscayne, Florida. Yeah, it's going on. It started yesterday, and it's going on through tomorrow. I haven't heard anything uh, from these oh, meetings I'm sure yet. We'll hear, here's some big news coming out of there. I mean, yeah. nothing's breaking just yet as I'm looking at the, my yeah. updates. Yeah, I don't know what they're what they're talking about, whether it's rule changes, whether it's future Super Bowl sites. Uh, there was some talk that the Lions are going <laughs> to maybe be putting in a bid for uh, one of the next upcoming drafts. So yep. that'd be kind of cool for Detroit to get a draft. <laughs> yep. I think Detroit could put on a unique enough show as long as it's not snowing in, <laughs> at the end of April. Yeah, well, this year, yeah, we had uh, – We had some very – it's still May. We're in the middle of May, and we're still getting chilly weather. Yeah, it's it's really cold. It was only in the mid-50s today, but it's supposed to be up to the 70s and 80s in the next few days. Oh, so. thank goodness. Wow. Really weird weather we're having this year. Uh, May 26th, like I said, this Sunday, CFL preseason begins, and the British Columbia Lions are going to be traveling to Edmonton, taking on the Eskimos. Uh, every every team is going to get two games over the next three weeks uh, okay. to fill out their preseason. And, and anywhere we can uh, catch these games? Uh, I'm sure if you have TSN up in Canada, you can catch it. I, I want to say that they're on the uh, ESPN Plus. ESPN Plus or ESPN 3. I'm not sure. I'd have to double check on that. Yeah, I was I was gonna say you didn't have it in the upcoming games list, but it is just preseason no. for right now, so yeah. don't fret too much. Right. But uh, it would still be kind of cool. Maybe they don't post the preseason games. I guess I've never seen a CFL preseason mm, game before. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I did see somewhere, and I can't remember who's who's showing them. But we'll okay. we'll we'll get that for next week. Uh, and then June 13th is when the CFL regular season kicks off. So we got a, a couple weeks before that happens. Right. Uh, June 15th, the Indoor Football League regular season is going to end. And on June 22nd, the CIF regular season is going to come to Champions an end. Champions Indoor Football. Yep. Okay, so did you want to run over the upcoming games? Sure. We got some upcoming games this week. If you're looking for some arena football action, obviously stick to your ESPN app. 
uh, or the AFL website or even the Arena Football app, which um, I started kind of using, but um, I've been having some issues with it. I think they're still working on some kinks. Yeah, I went to the AFL website the other night to, to to watch one of these games, and it told me that the game was out of my mind. All well, it was only it was one early in the day, and then it was two that evening. Both of the evening games, it told me I was out of their market. Well, maybe now that it's on ESPN three, it could be. Uh, well, yeah, I did find it on ESPN three, but uh, the, that's the, what I'm saying. I'm saying because AFL it's on ESPN three, you won't be able to play it on your mm. app or online. Maybe. Mm, yeah, I don't know, but anyway, I but I was able to watch some of the game until my internet crapped out. But okay, but yeah, so three games next week in the Arena League. You're gonna have the Philadelphia Soul traveling to Baltimore to play the Brigade. Obviously, those are both two and two teams. Then you're going to have the 2-2 two two Washington Valor traveling to Columbus to play the Destroyers. And I believe this is where Columbus will get their first win. I'm going to call it right now. Think so? Even though, yeah, we're not doing our predictions yet. Right, we're saving yeah. that for the NFL season. <laughs> <laughs> and this should be a great game. Albany traveling to Atlantic City to play the Blackjacks. The Blackjacks have been a bit of a surprise, yeah. which is fun, perfect for an expansion team, you know, 2-2. Sure. Two two, but... Albany coming in at 4-0, so I think that should be a great game. Look for all those again on the ESPN app, on your ESPN3 or the Arena Football app. Uh, the Indoor Football League, you can find all their games on YouTube. And this week you're going to see the Arizona Rattlers traveling to the Tucson Sugar Skulls. That should be a fantastic game. Mm -hmm. The Bismarck Bucks traveling to the Iowa Barnstormers. And the Quad City Steamwheelers traveling to the Nebraska Danger. So, again, find all those on YouTube. Again, I would recommend subscribing and uh, you'll see those updates. You know, even before the game is played, you just go to their channel, mm -hmm. and you see, oh, the game will be playing at seven o'clock tomorrow night. That's just an example. Okay. And then on, uh, let's see, National Arena League, also on YouTube, they're they only got one game this week, and that's Orlando traveling to Carolina. And then the Continental, not the Continental, the <laughs> I did it, dang it, I flubbed. The Champions Indoor Football will be on Pluto TV, which is a free streaming service for anybody out there. You put get it on your phone. Or if you have a smart TV, I'm sure you can find the app for it. Again, it's free. My roommate's used it. We've used it before. Uh, pretty nifty. Uh, you don't have to use a credit card for it. It's a free sign-up, so hmm. I would recommend doing that if you want to see the Sioux Falls City Storm taking on the Selene Liberty, or the Sioux Falls City Bandits taking on the Selene Liberty, the Oklahoma Flying Aces at the Omaha Beef, or the, next, or the North Texas Savages traveling to the Duke City Gladiators. Did you say Sioux Falls City? <laughs> Probably the Sioux City <laughs> Sioux City Bandits. Sioux City Bandits. I think last week I, I think wrote, I call them the Sioux City Storm, but then I tried I tried to backtrack. Yeah, no, I I think I wrote this wrong last week. I I think I said Sioux Falls instead of Sioux City last week. Oh, the our brilliant research department sneaking in and uh, all right, all right. <laughs> but yeah, the North Texas Savage teams. That's the that's the team. They're going to be right. playing three away games, yeah. uh, filling in for the Texas. Uh, uh, revolution and this is the first of their three games uh, this week all right and that's it anything else uh, any breaking news on uh, no breaking news other than uh, earlier we talked before the show we didn't really talk about it nfl news but how uh the tampa bay buccaneers released defensive lineman gerald mccoy mm. and uh the same day they have picked up and sue mm. as a replacement so they're trading the uh, those were respective in the same draft Picks two and three, and Dominic and Sue went mm. two, and Gerald McCoy went three. So now uh, he's playing with the Bucks, and mm. we'll see where McCoy lands. McCoy obviously uh, was one of the best parts of the Hard Knocks that when Tampa Bay was on there a couple seasons ago. He had a great Batman room, uh, <laughs> and that's why I wanted Detroit to pick him up because I think he and I would be best friends. Okay. Because he's a, he, he was, seemed like a pretty chill guy. So 
and then uh, I don't know if you want to get into this now as we're closing out, but uh, we uh, we left Westeros on Sunday oh, night. Oh God! <laughs> and yeah, what was the Westeros uh, football team uh, uh, standings this year? Uh, let's see the let's see. Spoiler alert! I, I would say uh, the Starks of Winterfell f- won that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, burned down their stadium. <laughs> well, no, yeah, the yeah. Yeah, they were no, playing. They were playing the dragons and lost no, one to nothing. No spoilers, but uh, the ending of a great show. Uh, the The finale will be up there in the great debates of finales of all time. Maybe not in a good way for some people. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to end series when they're so beloved. Not everybody's going to be happy. Way too many expectations on that show. It was you I, thought everybody but one person was going to die? Yeah. And guess what? Uh, yeah, I thought it was going to be a real bloodbath, and it was, but not for all the main characters right. like I thought it was going to be. Oh, but well. It's done. It's over, and I'm going to be looking. Well, I guess I'm not canceling my HBO subscription because yeah. we got uh, uh, Hard Knocks coming out. i got to wait around for that. In yeah. The, in the, well, it depends on who uh, who's going to be I'll probably year. watch it regardless oh. of who's. It'll be interesting if it's the Lions that get picked, but I doubt it'll be Detroit. Yeah. But uh, I guess I won't insert the Game of Thrones music like I normally do. I guess Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. We're done with that. All right. Well, that's all the time we've got for this week. If you learned something during this podcast about the incredible amount of diversity that exists in the world of football, then we've done our job. Visit our website at theworldoffootball.com for news, links, upcoming events, videos, and more. Our email address is info at theworldoffootball.com. You can also like The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF Kalamazoo, where we post a lot of unique stories, pictures, and highlights from all over the world of football. You can also follow us on Twitter. The address there is at TWOF Kalamazoo. New episodes of this podcast are posted every Tuesday and are available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. So please subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you think, and please come be a part of the football conversation. Would you have a problem if we recorded on Monday next week? Yes, I would. Would you? I kind of got something going on on Tuesday, but... uh, Yeah, uh, it should be the podcast. Well, it it always is, but... uh, Why are we talking about this on air right now? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Join us again next week when we'll review all the happenings in the world of football. Until then, I'm Randy Snow. And I'm curious, what is it that you got going on next Tuesday? None of your business. so important. None of your business. Are you cheating on my mother? No. Is that what's going on right now? No. I'll believe you for a second. We'll see you next week.